Cornucopia Radio presents. Get your golf club ready. We're gonna go down fighting. Hang on. What's that over there? A vehicle. It's coming towards us. Is it a milk float? No. It's a mobility scooter. It's Mrs. Wilson. She's coming straight towards us. Come with me if you want to live. So, Kevin, let me get this right. You and young Daniel here were dressed as gnomes trying to infiltrate their ranks, using your own mother, Joan, as bait until they saw through your disguise and tried to kill you. Luckily for us, you were passing by on your mobility scooter and were able to rescue us. Sarge wouldn't have made it, not with the injury he sustained after being bitten by one of them. Can you hurry? I'm going at seven miles an hour, I'm gone. It's a city on the move. It's a town with the nicest of people. It's a village with love in its heart. And it's a hamlet without a hope in hell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Budley. We'll be safe in here. What is this old abandoned building? I have some vague recollection of it. It's the old Budley Woolworths. It's resisted the B&M takeover for the last seven years, so we'll be safe in here. Ah, my foot. Daniel, check the first aid kit. See if there's anything that will help. Flask of tea, polos. Oh, and the Pokemon plaster. I'll put it on. Oh, that needs to come off. What? Me foot? No, the back of the plaster. I can never get these things off. There you go. So, now you know who we are, you're going to turn us into the police? No, definitely not. Not after them gnomes drove me off to my home and kidnapped the woman who looks like Christopher Biggins. At least you'll take this threat seriously. Unlike the police. Useless they are. Useless. They were useless last time too. Last time? The gnomes have been here before? No. My husband Albert was a vigilante like you. Hang on. Let me put on some appropriate music whilst you tell the tale. My Albert was a very small man. Three foot eight in his socks. But he was big where it mattered. In his heart. He was a butcher by trade, leading a slaughterhouse team of three men and that woman who looks like Christopher Biggins. They worked in peace and harmony till that lot came. The gnomes? No, the vegetarians. They set up camp on Budley Mower, stealing animals due to be slaughtered, blocking trade routes and eating Linda McCartney. They were cannibals? No, she was their spiritual leader. Think Mo Farah in a blonde wig. Oh, a corn star. I get it. Anyway, my Albert and his three male butchers formed the middle-aged meat market men. They battled well until that fateful day. What happened? The men infiltrated the vegetarian commune and put beef stock in the vegan casserole. It sent them vegetarians wild, it did. They wanted blood. They wanted death. And that was the last we saw of the middle-aged meat market men. But what happened to Albert? That woman who looked like Christopher Biggins and I found four bags of mint, three large ones and one very small one. That presumably was my Albert. What did the police do? Nothing. The police were useless. 
Me and that woman who looks like Christopher Biggins had to sell that mince to Eastern Europe to get a bit of money to survive. But we swear if Budley was ever threatened again, we would help. I'm sorry, Mrs. Wilson, but you're not strong enough to become a vigilante. No, but I've got this. Dick Turnip's treasure. This must be worth thousands. Millions. I didn't want them Newton Smythe to get it, so I hid it in a place where nobody would ever look. The local library? No, in Minicus. And you want us to have it? With this money, you can turn this old abandoned Woolworths into a state-of-the-art vigilante HQ with computers, weapons and a cappuccino machine. Sarge, we might stand a chance now. I don't know what to say, Mrs Wilson. Say nothing. Just find that woman who looks like Christopher Biggins and kill them gnomes. Show them no mercy. Number 87, Mr. Galar, Mr. Shane Galar. Kanga Bangaroo, that's me. If you'd like to come through to my office. Take a seat. What appears to be the problem, Mr. Galar? I haven't had me unemployment benefit. Well, you were meant to sign on last week. I couldn't. Family emergency. Oh. Me dad died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. When is the funeral? It was last October. Well, how can he die in March and be buried five months earlier? It was shown in Australia in October. We only got the episode last week. Oh, you're talking about your soap, Dad, aren't you? Oh, Mr Galar, you clearly do seem to have some sort of delusion that you are the soap character that you played over ten years ago. You need to move on. You lost your job at the call centre because of it, didn't you? I was fired. They said my qualifications were not legit. But Bruce was a paramedic. I read the certificates on my, I mean his, bedroom wall. But Bruce Parker was a paramedic, a character in an Australian soap opera that people used to watch. Before it went on a Channel 5. And you are Shane Galar. The man who played Bruce, and who technically still is Bruce. It's a Batman-Bruce Wayne situation. You probably just can't cope with it. Oh, I haven't got time for this. I have people with real issues to deal with. Well, if I can't get help with benefits, can you help me get a job? Well, let's get some details up on the computer. What kind of work would you like to do? Actor. I am a trained actor. Well, it says on here that you lost your last acting job. You punched Dame Barbara Windsor in the face in 2005. She insulted me. Asked for it, she did. How? We were doing the Scottish play. Macbeth. Now the Crankies. Wee Wee Jimmy Cranky, the musical and ass. I was playing Keith Cranky and she, due to her minuscule frame, was playing Wee Jimmy. It was an insult to let her play the young lad. I bet Jimmy was upset. Go on. First night at the Rapsy Nesbitt Hall, we were about to go on stage and she told me to break a leg. She wished real physical harm upon me. So I pushed her into the orchestral pit. You're lucky that she didn't press charges. She was the one who started it. Oh, now this is interesting. It says here that you appeared on an Australian soap until 2004 and then came to England on a student visa. Yeah, that's right. At the Dick Van Dyke School of Accents and Improvisation. Yes, you dropped out after a week. Dark period of my life. 
I got stuck up a chim chimney. Your visa ran out in 2006, so technically, Mr Galar, you are not entitled to work in this country. But do I still get me benefits? I don't think you understand. You are an illegal immigrant. Oh, it's okay. You poms have been sending your crims to us for centuries, and you moan when we send you a few decent blokes back in return. Me, Peter Andre, Craig Revel Horwood, Dame Edna. She is a bloke, you know. Enough, Mr. Galar. You have no right to stay here. Unless you face death or persecution in your own country, you'll be deported in a few days. But you don't understand. If you send me back, I could be dead within a week. <laughs> Go on, tell me. What is it, dingoes? Snakes? No, 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 wait. Poisonous spiders. No, far worse than that. They've remade Prisoner Cell Block H. If you deport me, I might end up staring in that. I have this wrinkly grandma, Norma. She's senile and should be in a substandard care home. Sometimes, when my parents are practising the Karma Sutra, they leave me with the old coffin dodger. I do everything I can to help her meet her maker. Testing the fire alarm. Now, Mrs Parker, are you sure you'll be all right? Yes, dear. Oh, I am sorry for calling the fire service, but when I found myself super glued to the toilet seat, I didn't know what else to do. And you don't know who might have done it? Oh, no. Well, there's only myself and my grandson, Marley, here. Uh, do you know anything about it, Marley? No, Grandma. It would be very naughty to try and superglue your grandma to the toilet seat and laugh at her agonising screams as the firefighter tries to scrape her off. Oh, of course, dear. Now, I'll see you out, firefighter still. Now, Mrs Parker, I'll give you these leaflets about fire safety before I go. Oh, thank you, dear. Goodbye. Can I have some milk and cookies before bed, Grandma? Yes, dear. I'll just get you some. As Grandma went to get the milk and cookies, I read the leaflet that firefighter Steele had left. It was all about testing the fire alarms. Grandma has got a fire alarm, but I don't think she ever tests it. Here you are, my little bumpkin. Now, shall we watch that cartoon about the silly rabbit before you go to bed? Yes, Grandma. I noticed that Grandma sits directly beneath the fire alarm. And I decided that the best way to test whether the fire alarm was working would be to start a little fire. I knew that Grandma wants to be set on fire because Mummy and Daddy said that she's already paid to be cremated one day. I moved a candle under her seat and waited. Oh, is it me or is it hot in here? It's you, Grandma! <laughs> I'm burning up! Oh, I'm on fire! Oh! Ah! At least the fire alarm works. Ah! The next door neighbour called for the fire engine. Firefighter Steel came back and covered Grandma in some special foam. It was fun watching Grandma being squirted because the jet was very powerful. The force of it rolled her around the room, like a beach ball. The ambulance is on its way, Mrs Parker. You were lucky we were in the area and could get here quickly. The burns don't look too serious. Oh, it hurts. Now, I hope you've learned your lesson. You should never place a candle under a flammable chair. But I didn't have any candles. I've learned my lesson too. 
As the ambulance men drove Grandma to the hospital, I promised myself that next time I tested the fire alarm, I would cover Grandma in petrol first. Yeah, I can't believe she turned up. Not bad. I've seen worse. Look, I'd better go. Sorry, that was my dad. You'll be able to tell all your mates at work tomorrow. A blind date with Barry Bradgett, World Tiddlywinks champion. Well, I don't really follow sports. You scrub up well. I only gave you a picture of 5 out of 10, but you're a 5.5, maybe 6 in the flesh. A 6? Nah, back to a 5 when you're angry. Them veins pop out inside your head. Well, you're nothing like your picture. You clearly haven't got a six-pack. That would be mate, Daniel. He photoshopped me. Oh, don't pull a face. It didn't hurt. He did it on his computer. Oh, how childish. I know. He's only 12, but he's a great laugh. Well, it's clear you're the same mental age. What did you say? I said, have you seen the menu page? Blooming heck. Have you seen these prices? They're having a laugh. Oh, don't worry about the prices. We'll go Dutch. Oh, no. I don't eat foreign muck. Sets me acid reflux off something chronic. Me Auntie Carol almost died when she had one of them curries. Oh, chicken coma? No, a diabetic one. Right. So do you want to know why I chose you? Chose me? It was your job. My job? Yeah. Any woman who works with pies is my kind of bird. I'm a pie chart and spreadsheet analyst. A pie chart? That's my kind of thing. And straight in at number one, Aunt Bessie's steak and ale pie with extra gravy. I know I don't look like it, but I eat at least eight pies a day. Well, you don't shock me, but can I stop you right there? It's not those kind of pies. It's a pie chart. A a type of graph to show businesses how well they're doing. You can't eat them? No. Talk about getting a man here under false pretenses. I feel used. Oh, are you going to sulk all night? I'm not sulking. It's just not worth doing the questions now. Questions? I've prepared some questions. Oh, go on. I'll do them. Question one. Are you a feminist? Yeah. Good. I won't offend you then if I let you pay for tonight. Question two. What hobbies do you like? Oh, I like to cook. Pies? Sometimes souffles. Oh, you must have a big oven. We had to get our new one in through the bay window. And it's only a two-seater. Well... Question three. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Oh, well, I'd like to go into politics. Maybe run for office in a local election. Oh, my Auntie Carol's into politics. Oh, what does she do? She's an elective mute. But she never talks about it. Look, I know tonight's not gone well, but... But I'm a woman with needs that only a real man can fix. Well, I'm no good with power tools. These are winking hands. I'm talking foreplay, Barry. I only play singles. Oh, for crying out loud. I want to have wild, hot, no-strings-attached sex with you tonight. Hang on. My dad said this might happen. He wrote me a note. Dear young woman, please excuse our Barry from any physical activity. He has a very weak bladder and a slight wrist sprain. He needs to be home and in bed for nine to get plenty of rest. Signed, Barry's dad and Coach Jim. Where are you going? Home. This has been a right waste of time. Can I ask you a question before you go? Oh, go on. Can I have your bread roll? It seems a shame both of us going home hungry. Things get worse, Sarge. 
In the last week, we failed to enlist any new recruits. The gnomes have made a butler in no-go zone after dusk, and the police are after us for damaging the cherubs by the Tom Daly fountain in the park. I could have sworn they were attacking us. They're meant to pee like that. How's that to know? Uh, there's a young American woman here to see you. American? Send her in. I believe you can help me. I'm looking for my mother. Try the bingo. It's a 125 pound jackpot. I'm off myself in a minute. She's been kidnapped. Kidnapped? What's her name? Well, that's a thing. I was adopted as a baby. My birth records show that my mother bore a strong resemblance to Christopher Biggins. Oh, the woman who looks like Christopher Biggins. Everyone knows her. But she's been taken by them gnomes. The woman at the shop said that you have a vigilante group set out to overthrow the gnomes and rescue her? Mother, have you been telling people about our top secret mission and plans? You reveal our identities. You know the police are after us. I only told Sandra. Oh, uh, and Sadie. And I, I think Edna might have been there. Oh, no, 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 it, it was Julie. Oh, Mother, what have you done? Oh, they won't say anything. Discretion is Sadie's middle name. Or is it Dorothy? I suppose you want to know the reason why, after all these years, I'm looking for my birth mother. Hang on. Let me put on some suitable music whilst you tell your tale. I was the result of a one-night slap and tickle between a woman who looked like Christopher Biggins and a man who looked like Bridget Bardot. Oh, I remember your father. He worked at the nail bar. My mother had a busy job lifting large lumps of meat at the abattoir, and my father had just introduced laser hair removal at the beauty salon where he worked. Puddly women are cursed by upper lip growth. But I'm not. There's no question about my femininity. With their busy careers, they were unable to raise me. They gave me to the nuns who in turn shipped me off to the United States where I was raised by a troop of traveling gymnasts. So why now, after all of this time, do you want to find your mother? My mother tracked me down and left a message on my answer phone a few weeks ago. She said that she needed my help because they were after her, but she didn't say who they were. Oh, she was probably on about the bailiffs. Hadn't paid a council tax for months, apparently. No. The message ended abruptly, as if something small but powerful with a squeaky, shrilled sound was overpowering her. I'm 99% sure that was one of those gnomes. Oh no! Don't worry too much. My team and I are a mighty force who are doing all we can to stop them. Let me join you. I can help. I have flexibility, superhuman strength, and the ability to laugh heartedly at double entendre and slapstick humor. Just like your mother. <laughs> Some say my superhuman strength and flexibility came from being raised as an Olympic-level gymnast from the age of two. Others say I inherited it from my birth mother. Well, she were always doing that Beverly Callard workout with them stretchy bands. Are you prepared to fight to the death, face danger on a daily basis, and wear a costume of my choice? I am. Oh, good. You'll need a nickname. Is that your car outside? Yes, the Mercedes sports car. Look, it has black windows. 
We can call you Black Window. Adding that extra consonant will stop us being sued by the Marvel Corporation regarding a particular character to which you bear no similarity to whatsoever. Ooh, and we've spare rooms, so you can live in too. That's amazing. I won't let you down. I'll get it. It's another one wanting to join us. Strange looking fella. Send him in. I am the great Shamir, psychic extraordinaire, communicator with the dead, and completer of the countdown conundrum three days before it was aired. I've come to join you. Did your psychic abilities help track us down? No, it was the advert in the shop window. Vigilante wanted. Must be able to fight gnomes. Accommodation included. Mother... Sorry, love. This has been Welcome to Budley, written and directed by Mal Karat. It starred in alphabetical order Judith Alexander, Dylan Karat, Mal Karat, Jeannie McGuinness, Ryan Odes, Renate Reynolds and Wayne Russell. It was produced and edited for Cornucopia Radio by Peter Beeston. This work is released under a Creative Commons agreement. For more information, visit us online at cornucopia-radio.co.uk.